50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. She's laughing because the second before we started recording, I said to her, Julie, I think that we need to start with the very pressing news, which is Pat Sajak is leaving Wheel of Fortune after 41 years. And I'm sorry, you are not giving that the attention it deserves. You made a little bit of fun of me for wanting to start with that. And to me, that is a massive news story. First of all, don't accuse me of such. I obviously am taking the Pat Sajak news with the exact amount of seriousness and importance that it deserves. I do, however, think that it is objectively hilarious that that is the thing that we're starting this podcast with. Well, the fact that there are no news stories is a separate conversation we can have in a few minutes. I just want to say, I can't speak for you. I can't speak for anyone else. Personally, in this moment, I'm thinking about Vanna White. I'm very concerned, interested, curious to see what is her next move because separating Pat and Vanna, that's some shit you hear about, you know, really only in horror films. (laughs) I'm never not thinking about Vanna White. I don't know how to get through this episode with you. I'm telling you right now, Julie, the only way that we are going to get through this episode is if we tell ourselves mentally that no one else will be listening or that anyone that will be listening or people that have been listening for years, it's not going to be anyone's first time trying it out because I just know One, given the kind of loopy mood that we're in, and two, the lack of stories, this is about to be a shit show, and I just know that. We're about to we're about to really fuck around. Yeah, we're about to really fuck around and find out. Which total side note, another reason we were hysterical before we started recording was because every now and again we'll do this thing where we check in on Chris Humphrey's Instagram because as you guys know, prior to season three, we were recapping Courtney and Kim Take New York. And so we're deep in the Chris Humphreys of it all. And going to look at his Instagram now. It's it's a very bizarre experience if you have been doing the rewatch along with us out of nowhere. Imagine me, I'm just sitting on my phone and I get a text from Julie, screenshot of Chris Humphrey's story of a deer and the baby crossing the road. And she writes, meanwhile, in Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> Can I actually confess something to you? Like, you check it I out. actually haven't been going out of, no, I just, I haven't been going out of my way to check in on Chris Humphrey's. Like, for some reason, every time I go onto the comments account, like I switch from my personal to comments, the first story there is always Chris Humphreys. It's probably because I search. You search to find, I get the <laughs> algorithm. That's why it's yeah. not coming up for you because I watch it before you watch it. Yeah, that's probably why. But do you notice how when you go to watch it, it's always already watched? You know, now that you say it, <laughs> it's just the hilarious thing that I didn't realize was going on. It's just like, if you have, I don't, I listen, I think a lot of you listening to this didn't do the Courtney and Kim rewatch with us. But if you did, you understand the way that Chris Humphreys has just been living in our brains. And so to see that, you know, he's this person who in 2023 is just doing his own thing and bopping around. And then he's back in Lake Minnetonka. I don't know. It's just a little bit of a bug out. If I'm Sean and Camila and I am broken up again after a whirlwind couple of two weeks in New York, 
and I hear us talking about Chris Humphreys and Lake Minnetonka instead of our <laughs> fourth breakup, I am literally distraught. But here, here's my thing. What do you want me to do with an article from The Sun that says, stars split, major U.S. pop stars split again as pals insist this is the final time? A source said, quote, Sean and Camila have a lot of history and they tested the waters again after coming back into each other's lives. But it was just a fling and they've put an end to it now. They realized it was probably a mistake to give things another shot. Things ended between them the first time for a reason after all. In reality, both of them know they aren't right for each other romantically and they just want to move on. Which like, Fine, but also a week ago, you guys were holding hands in every part of Manhattan. So like, I don't know. I just don't take that with that much seriousness. You know what I mean? Like in the, in the normal non-celebrity world, this type of getting back together or even just hooking up with your ex back and forth would not be a story. <laughs> it would just be a Tuesday. Or it would be brunch conversation. Yeah, a little bit of brunch conversation. No one's doing a breaking news report on somebody sleeping with their ex. Let's keep going. If, if we're really going to go on this theme, let's keep going with it. So Julie and I are talking about this episode. We're like, okay, you know what? Gigi and Leo, we've been watching that for a while. And now it seems like things are really heating up. They were out to dinner together in London with his parents. Boom. Separate source tells people, it was purely coincidental that they were at the same place at the same time. They did not arrive or leave together and did not even sit with each other during the meal. Like... Give us fucking something. The best part of that story is the people exclusive report. That's like, Gigi and Leo see each other when they can. I'm like, ooh, ooh, (laughs) not when they can. Not when their schedules allow. You know how much I love a celebrity story that only exists when their schedules allow. (laughs) That's what I'm telling you guys. It's, It's funny because I would say the last, what, month or two has been some of the most viral content from a reality television perspective, not only Scandaval, but just generally speaking across Bravo, not only Scandaval, but of course, primarily Scandaval, but even just generally speaking, Bravo has really been bringing it. And that has satiated, I mean, me specifically, I know Bravo's not really your thing in such a way. And for the Bravo podcast, I mean, every week, Isabel and I are coming on, it's an 11 page outline. And even for Kardashians, like I know some people don't think this is the best season, but you and I have so much to analyze. Even last week, we spent probably what, 30 minutes on that first scene with Kim and Scott. And it's like, in comparison to what's happening on reality TV, it just feels that celebrities aren't doing much. And it's not just us because we've spoken to other pop culture commentators in the space behind the scenes and they feel similarly. Something shifted where celebrities are, and I I get it. If I'm a celebrity, I'm going to be doing the exact same thing. They're less willing to put themselves out there to then not look like a fool and not be criticized. What clearly happened was there was a shift during COVID when people did not want to hear from celebrities. Like it just... Nothing in the world made people want to look at celebrities in their mansions during COVID, you know, doing what they were doing and feel like that was what they wanted to see. However, I feel like that really stuck with celebrities in terms of the way the world was reacting to them and they responded somewhat accordingly. Whereas I feel like now there's still a split number of people and there's still a group of people that are like, yeah, no, we still don't want to hear from celebrities. But I do feel like most people who have always consumed pop culture and have always been interested in the lives of celebrities and really, really want to see that again in a major way. I mean, it is still a huge form of escapism for a lot of people. And so we're now balancing like the noise versus the want where it's like, celebrities, if you're listening, like we can all block out the noise together. I know, but I, I, listen, 
obviously me as myself, I could not be more on your side. We are in this together. Like it's very frustrating when you want to comment or even just report on stories. And it feels like there's such an intentionality behind there being a lack of stories. On the flip side, if I'm a famous person, I too think I'd be struggling striking the balance of wanting to give content, recognizing that content is relevance, but also being terrified of knowing that every single thing I say, I do, any interview I give is going to be ripped apart, which listen, that's a tale as old as time. But as people have become more chronically online, that has become more of a thing. And there are different expectations around celebrities. It's just true. And so I think for people that either don't feel entirely confident in what they're saying or what they're saying, not getting ripped apart. And on top of that, people that frankly have no interest in being involved in the conversation, like the response is just to kind of lay low, (laughs) which again, I would be doing the same fucking thing. It's just very frustrating being on this side of it. But then there's also the side of like how long this period of laying low is sustainable for, because I still believe that relevancy is such a huge part of celebrities and their longevity and so many different things. And so I guess I look at something like Scandaval and I look at the amount of money Ariana's created from it and the amount of camaraderie that was online during it and how much time, I mean, we have spent months and months where this has been something that we have spoken about every single day for the most part, like not just you and I and me, you and Isabel or you and Isabel, like everybody across the board. And I just feel like if I'm a celebrity searching to maintain my relevancy, I'm looking at that going like, okay, not to that extent, but I got to do something to get my, to get my hat in the ring, at least a little bit. But then I guess on the other side of it, it's like, why forfeit my privacy if I don't have to? But then again, that's the point is like, at what point do you then start to have to? Well, I think there is a part to this that once the pendulum kind of swings too far, then maybe it does start to swing back in realizing that the term messiness not only has a negative connotation, but also I think elicits a lot of fear among specifically the very famous. But we as the public like a little bit of harmless mess. I just think it is interesting to anybody that consumes this kind of stuff. So I guess if we're sitting here trying to pinpoint what we're hoping for, one of the things I would pinpoint is famous people being willing to lean into a little bit more of a mess. It's a big ask specifically in the age of intense curation, but it's something we would greatly appreciate and all I think benefit from. I was just thinking as you were talking, because that's the thing, right? Like, how'd you word it? Responsible mess or harmless mess? Like that really is what we're looking for. And I do think that there is a very identifiable line there, right? So you take a situation like Taylor Swift and Maddie Healy, where at first glance, like that's exactly what we're looking for, right? Like this whirlwind romance that they found themselves in shortly after she ended a very long private relationship. Like it had all of the makings, right? But the thing with Taylor Swift and somebody of that caliber is that you don't want to see them with somebody who is as deeply problematic as he is. It's unenjoyable to consume because you feel dirty doing it. You feel dirty on her behalf. Like it, it, it just wasn't the type of situation where you're like, this is responsible mess. And so you're so close there, but it's not exactly it. No, it's not. But if it was not him in the equation, it would be exactly what we are talking about. The way that she just did this whole thing, which was so out of character. And again, I'm saying all of this, assuming that he was not the other party. I know we're none of us are on board with him, right? Let's just say it was someone that was not him. Like 
that was so fun what she just did, right? She has this very private relationship for all these years. They break up. She is on one of the most successful tours of all time. And at the same time, she's having this fling with this guy who's coming to her shows, who's arriving at her apartment late at night. There's paparazzi photos of them. There are Casa Cipriani. Like, if it wasn't him, that would have been quite literally exactly what we were looking for. And I will say, even though it did not hit the nail on the head, stylistically, it is very much on par. It's not so dissimilar, although very dissimilar from Emrod and Harry. Why were we all over that? Not because we thought anything was necessarily going to happen with them, right? But because in what world are two people that famous making out against the van in Tokyo? Like that is what we're talking about. And I just, I feel like we've been so close and not yet there. And I'm so excited for someone to say, fuck it. This is what you're looking for. So the weather is finally getting a little warmer. And one of the most fun parts about the seasons changing is kind of the wardrobe revamp that comes along with that. And if you're looking to update your wardrobe without spending a fortune, I want to introduce you to Quince because I really think that they do quality essentials kind of better than anyone I found. And I've told you guys about them before, but specifically as the weather is getting warmer, their linen dresses, like such an easy throw on, so comfortable, such good quality. To me, if you put on a linen dress with a pair of white sneakers, a little cardigan over your shoulders, to me, that is such a chic look. Also, their washable silk blouses. They are so comfortable, but you look so put together. They have great like scoop neck t-shirts, just comfortable, easy staples. Like that is what I like about them. I think that you can really build just a quality wardrobe collection with their essentials. And the best part is that all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes those savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Get warm rather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, you want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. 
I always think the Emrata and Harry Styles make out is such an interesting example because for us, as the internet reacting to it, we had nothing but fun. It was responsible mess to consume. But I do feel like from Harry Styles' perspective, he was like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. Like that scared him away, the idea of the public seeing it and reacting to it. Meanwhile, it was the type of situation where it's like, but everybody is having fun with it. Like no one's holding this against you. This is by no means any sort of a negative thing. So like, don't you, wouldn't you almost, I mean, maybe not Harry Styles because he's so notoriously private and it's not like he necessarily needs the internet to be talking about him in that way. But I wouldn't have considered the way the internet spoke about it to be something that turned him off from ever doing it again. But I think that regardless, it did. Okay, two things with that that I do think are important to mention. If we're talking specifically Harry Styles and knowing his stands, anything that's that public of a romantic interaction, specifically with someone that hasn't been like, quote, pre-vetted, can cause a headache if you're him. Again, ridiculous sentence, but entirely accurate. Second of all, something I feel like we're both forgetting in this conversation in terms of just analyzing the level of harmless mess is the Olivia Wilde of it all. Because let us not forget, this happened after the Dumas rumors about a threesome between him, Olivia, and Emily. Remember? And then there were all those conversations about Olivia feeling really betrayed by Emily. And who's to say how true any of that is? That is one of those things that I personally think there was truths woven throughout. So it ended up actually, listen, generally speaking, yeah, people were on board with it because it was fun and it was so out of character. But there was that whole side narrative, which was like, wow, this really sucks if you're Olivia Wilde, which I do think if we're putting this on a scale of like the quote fun meter lowers it a little bit because it felt like there were, you know, real feelings at stake for something that should have been just this fun, easy makeup. I know we're really going deep in the weeds here, but like you're, you're following me, right? No, I'm totally following you. Like, yes, there was an aftermath of it, but I, I still don't find it to be anything that was overly I don't even think, forget about overly, I don't even think it was anything that was like remotely detrimental. It just like was a story that ran its course. And I always think about the fact that like, you know, sometimes a celebrity will do something that they assume is completely harmless or they have what they think is the right intentions and Twitter will just blow up about it. Like they will just take it and run, whether it's something where you do something cringy and, you know, Twitter considers cringy to be a cancelable offense or you know, they've really dug deep in a story and they've blown the whole thing out of proportion. And, and now you have like, you know, a Twitter army after you. I understand celebrities wanting to avoid those things. And I understand a lot of celebrities have fear around doing certain things because what Twitter chooses to latch onto is seemingly so random at times. But, you know, the thing with celebrity news stories is that when it's not an example like that, when it's not something that is able to be blown up in this crazy way. It has its cycle. And then the next thing comes along and then the next thing comes along. And so I just feel like celebrities have kind of lost sight of the idea that like, no matter what they do within reason, the next thing is always going to come along. Yeah. I I hear you, but I also think it is such a bold thing to say when you're not in the position, like totally, but that's why I didn't choose to be a celebrity. Right. I know. I totally, I totally understand. I just think if you are somebody that became famous or really the height of your fame was before social media was the way that it is, I think you're having a really hard time now navigating how you want to remain relevant while still being terrified of what can come from that. 
again, I so badly want this to be a problem that's solved. I just think something is seriously going to have to give. Because by the way, the thing that we're not saying and we're kind of dancing around is like, yeah, a lot of this is just things that we think, of course, from analyzing this stuff in the way that we do. But think about conversations that we have had, of course, that we're not like going to divulge here, but like that it, it, it just goes to show you that these thought processes that we're talking about, they really are that layered. Like there is so much intention behind every single move, whether social media or otherwise, because of this real deep-rooted fear. Yeah. You know, I think it's fear. And I also think that we are in a different age of celebrity. And I think that celebrities value their privacy in a way that when we were growing up, they they either didn't value to the same extent, were willing to exploit, or didn't think they had an option to not exploit. That's another big thing, is that when we were growing up, a lot of celebrities, they weren't given the option to keep things private and at home. They were told, you get out there and you remain as relevant as possible. Because the thing is, it's not like we had social media to every day remind us of a celebrity's existence. You know, it's like funny, like, take a Dylan O'Brien, for example. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a point other than him being high. I swear. Oh I, my I swear. God. You no, you got context, context, you guys need context. You guys need to know, which we'll come back to in a second. This motherfucker has been sending me pictures of Dylan O'Brien every single day for the past two weeks. I get a different photo of him with a shaved head and the chain. She is down so bad for this guy that you just met. I, I can't just take Dylan O'Brien as casually as you just said it, but yes, keep going. And we'll come back to that in a second. I know because that's why I laugh, but it actually goes into my point, which is like Dylan O'Brien isn't even somebody who has social media. And yet every time somebody takes a picture with him or sees him out in public or it's a paparazzi shot, he's at a restaurant or a friend posts him, like there are Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts that are dedicated to posting all of those pictures that then go viral in like whatever circles or just viral in general. So like the idea is that Technically now you don't even have to be relevant. All you need is somebody to want to see you and you're automatically relevant. You're automatically top of mind on social media. And so there's this idea that like, you know, back in the day, celebrities had to be seen. They had to be out. They had to be spotted. And now all they have to do is be at home with one of their friends and have them post a picture of them for us to see them on our screen and be reminded of them. Well, I think there's so much power in that. And honestly, specifically in more of younger Hollywood in terms of people like a Dylan O'Brien that don't have social media, but somehow have figured out a way to make it work. And a lot of that is, you know, depending on the circle that you surround yourself with and surrounding yourself with people that even though you don't have social media, you may not get social media, it may not be your thing, surrounding yourself with people that really do. But you know what else is really interesting is that we always see all of these major A-list celebrities talking about how social media has killed Hollywood. Like it, 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 it's a thing that just, they're that they're always going on about that like makes no <laughs> sense to me ever. Like you know, TikTok people are famous, influencers are famous, people get famous off of Instagram. But it's like you know, you're sitting there in that position saying like you don't, you can't possibly understand why that's the case. Meanwhile, there's specific TikTok drama, there's reality TV show drama. There's all of these different brands of drama that we're getting from these so-called like not real celebrities that we're able to follow and attach ourselves to. And then we then get attached to the person and we want to see their success and we want to follow them until the next big thing comes along, right? If you as a celebrity are going to sit there and judge the way that we blow up people on different platforms that are not traditional celebrities, then traditional celebrities need to start giving us those kinds of things to attach ourselves to. Otherwise, we'll always continue to do that. We'll always continue to attach ourselves to the people that are allowing us into their personal lives in some capacity. 
Well, I think a lot of, let's say, more, quote, typical or mainstream celebrities' response to that would be, while acknowledging the truth behind it, having people follow you, not physically, but you know, follow you in the way that we would a, a TikToker or someone who became famous more from YouTube and is really taking us behind the scenes and almost making their followers feel as though they are on their journey, no matter how famous they end up getting and how big they end up getting and how wealthy they end up getting. I think a lot of people that approach fame in a more traditional way would say that that really takes away from the prestige of it. Even if they are not overly private in their own lives, I just think allowing the public in that way could maybe be, in their eyes, antithetical to the type of fame, the type of prestige they're trying to hold, which some could argue is true. But if you, and this is just from my perspective, if your talent is not at such a high level and has not been so cemented among your famous friends slash colleagues, there needs to be that personal connection from an audience in order to maintain your relevance. Like, yeah, a Meryl Streep can get away with not doing it. And there are a bunch of other people that can get away without having that connection. But you see some celebrities who are very famous and very talented where the audience can tell like their social is not them. They're really only posting when it's a branded partnership. You're getting absolutely nothing in terms of behind the scenes, in terms of maybe their daily lives. And I do think that there's a direct correlation there between not only an audience's connection, but then when they want to go out and promote a product, an audience's willingness to get on board with that. This whole conversation has kind of been surrounded around the idea of like, quote, celebrity nest. But there is also another avenue of celebrity relevancy and drama or, you know, personal life that isn't messy. It's just having fun. That's how I would classify the Harry Styles and Murata makeout. Like, is that necessarily messy? Yes, maybe because of some of the aftermath of it and the Olivia Wilde stuff. But at its core, no, it's just fun. It's two celebrities drunk, making out, having a good time. And I think that we as onlookers of celebrities see these people oftentimes as like so otherworldly and so in a stratosphere that's not our own that when we see them having fun, it connects us to them. It's so funny because I feel like obviously Beyonce is a megastar in a category of her own. Like it is impossible to fathom fame that big. However, you see all of these TikToks that have gone so viral of every performance and every concert that she's giving where yes, they probably would have gone super viral anyway, but there is an element of it that people are so much more attached to because they can see how much fun she's having. They can see the way that she's connecting with the audience during her concerts in a way that I don't know if we've ever seen her do that before. And so yes, somebody like Beyonce doesn't need that, of course, but I think there is a whole audience of people, especially a younger generation of people on TikTok that are really discovering Beyonce, not necessarily for the first time, but in a completely different way. Well, yeah, because Beyonce is honestly a really good example if we just want to hone in for one second on the fun aspect of it, of like, other than seeing her absolutely thriving on stage, and I agree with you, having so much fun, partially, I think, because of what this album means to her, partially because having Blue with her, I just think in general, she's at such a high point in her life. The last time I can think of seeing content like that, which is very different, is like some behind the scenes videos from her at the Rock Nation brunch. You know, it, it is it is minimal. And I do think that that's one of the reasons it's so exciting. But as a side for a second, and I know we are like really jumping all over the place, but that's why I said in the beginning, this is just like a mess of an episode that I hope no one is choosing to use as their first time listening to the podcast. But an example of a celebrity that I think does it well in terms of navigating the 
prestige of being an A-lister while also feeding in, doing so in a playful way, giving enough content where the then branded content feels in your face, but doesn't feel as though the only reason they're on social media is for that is to me, Courtney Cox. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I can see that. How do you feel about that? I think that social media really works for Courtney Cox. And I think that she sometimes has the air of somebody who is using social media because she needs to, and she needs it for that relevancy, which is, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, kind of what we're saying about everybody, like they all a little bit need it, but I do think she happens to do it really well. And I think she gets the hang of it. And I think that there are a number of things that she has done, which have gone really viral. And she seems like she has fun with it. She plays into her old character as well. She plays into who she is well. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a, I think it's a good example of somebody who has kind of gotten the hang of things. I, I don't know if she's the best example of what we're talking about, but like, I don't know what the best example is. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Let's talk about baby making for a second because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Free to Fertility. Free to Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Frida Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. Okay, if we want to zone in for a second and kind of approach this from the angle of celebrities on social media as a means to promoting a brand, whether it's their brand or a brand that they're an ambassador for, because of course, there is an element to social media that is inherently profit focused. We know for a fact that Courtney Cox is actively trying to promote Home Court, which is her line of, let's say, home essentials. And she's not shy about that. However, 
to me at least, I feel as though she fits that in with the rest of her regular content. So she's not only doing videos around that. She's doing videos that pay homage to former characters she played. She's doing a really good job of including her famous friends like a Laura Dern, like an Ed Sheeran, in content that becomes viral yet also has the side benefit of promoting her line. To me, that's something that I can appreciate. Like I get it. No matter how much money you have, everyone's out here trying to make money. But there's a way to do it like that. Whereas if we take, which I don't even know if you and I have spoken about this, but if we take Sydney Sweeney as an example, who's someone that's very relevant, very on top of her game at the moment. She's kind of everywhere, both for her acting, for her talent, for her fashion. Like I definitely would say she is someone that is certainly killing it at the moment. To me, I find that her social media presence lacks such warmth that to me, it feels like she's constantly trying to sell you something. And that's not to say that I see her collab with Frankie's bikinis and I'm not immediately sold. You know, like I want that cherry bikini just as much as the next girl, trust me. But I don't know. There, there's something about the approach to social there that to me feels like it lacks that like personalization. So realistically, am I going to buy the Frankie's Bikinis Club? I absolutely would. But other things that she's selling me, I think I'm more likely to buy something from Courtney Cox, even though technically speaking, I probably fall more in line with Sydney's audience. Well, I always think the celebrity brands conversation is the most fascinating conversation. And there's pretty much a brand that is associated with every single celebrity, whether it's a partnership, their own thing, a a pop-up collab, whatever it is, like every celebrity kind of has one. And it's interesting because I was talking to my dad the other day about this and he was like, you know, celebrities, like, I don't think they're as rich as people think they are. And I said, no, your celebrities weren't as rich because whatever they were doing when you were growing up was their thing. If they were an actor, that's all they did. If they were a singer, that's pretty much all they did without the, with the exception of a couple of brand deals. Now, it's almost like their product or or their line or whatever they're doing becomes equally as big as what they got famous for. And so it's such an interesting thing to see what celebrity brands have blown up, which, you know, it kind of feels like the celebrities pouring everything into supporting and you don't really think that it's making as much money as could be based on the work they're putting into it. Like it's such an interesting conversation because you now also have brands that are bigger than the celebrity. I mean, take Goop, for example. Gwyneth Paltrow is one of the biggest celebrities ever. But when you think of Gwyneth Paltrow, you think of Goop every single time. They're so, you know, linked beyond belief. Skims is probably as big as Kim is. There are probably people walking around that don't even know that Kim created Skims because Skims has become such a mega brand beyond anything that I think we even thought it was going to be. And so- I just think the conversation around brands and what celebrities have built is so fascinating. It also goes into the conversation of their social media, their relevance, the way that we look at them, because you are going to be more likely to want to buy from a celebrity's brand when you feel more linked to that celebrity, unless it is a brand where it is so much bigger than they are that you don't even know that you're supporting it for that reason. Okay, yes, 1 million percent. And I always say that to you about Skims. Like, yeah, anyone we know bought Skims for the first time because of Kim, but there are certainly people that are wearing those sculpting bodysuits because they found it and they loved it and they found out after the fact that it's Kim's company, which if you're Kim, I think is actually the ultimate compliment ever that the, the product speaks for itself. But okay, I just want to expand it for a second because yes, obviously there's so much when we talk about just celebrity-owned brands, but in addition to that, just partnerships, meaning, and I actually meant to say this to you when we were at Saks last week, the way that Sophia Richie has done her content rollout pre-wedding, mid-wedding, and now after the fact, and the way she's kind of seamlessly figured out 
social media working for her. She's the reason I'm telling you right now that when we walked into Saks last week, when I was buying the gift, going to my friend's house, like I bought that Joe Malone candle because I just saw her with her sea salt and wood sage or whatever it was spraying it on as I was on my way to Saks. And subconsciously in my mind, is there a chance I would have gotten a Joe Malone candle anyway? Yeah. I think it's a great gift when you're going to someone's house for their parent, but could I have been convinced to buy a Byredo? Absolutely. Sophia Ritchie, I'm telling you right now, obviously not paid for this. Sophia Ritchie is the reason that I bought that Joe Malone candle for a lot of reasons. One, because she happens to do a good job storytelling, but also because I bought into the Sophia Ritchie lifestyle and that being something that is admirable and desirable. And to me, something that I would deem as aspirational, you know? I, I I really think it can be traced back that scientifically when it comes to why I bought that specific candle last week. There are so many things there. So many things, Sophia Richie specific. One, just first off the bat, the buying into the lifestyle is such an important part of the way that we view celebrities and the way that we see celebrities. Because even when they're a little messy, we're buying into that. We want to be that kind of mess. And I mean that in the exact way you were saying it before responsible mess where we see a celebrity making out at a club on a Saturday night in Hollywood. And you're sitting at your home looking at that going, God, I fucking wish that was me. That seems like the coolest thing ever. Like I am sitting here, you know, doing my homework. And all I want to do is buy into that lifestyle of being like a Hollywood girl in a sprinter van, going to a club in LA and getting caught making out and leaving through the back door. Like we're buying into that lifestyle. The other thing with Sophia is it's 100% not the mess that you're buying into there, but it's still a lifestyle that you're buying into. She's in the South of France with the love of her life, getting married at one of the nicest hotels you could imagine in the chic, sleek look that she continues to carry herself. We have attached ourselves to that lifestyle. The third part of this conversation is where does Sophia Richie go from there? She is the it girl right now. She has brought us all in. How does she then maintain that? Because eventually we are going to want to move on to the next thing. We're going to get a little bored of it. Right now it's like, oh my God, I can't imagine being bored of Sophia Richie, but we 100% will. Where does Sophia Richie then go from there? Because that's the key to the celebrity you know, world that we're all looking for. Like, How do you move on? How do you maintain that relevancy? How do you maintain that it girl spot without doing something that's going to risk it? Listen, I think it is an impossible question to answer. And I really don't believe that there is one formula that works across all cases. However, the one thing that I will say is probably the common denominator among quote success stories, a ridiculous term to use for this conversation, but you know what I mean, is allowing ample time to pass between these different highly associated partnerships. Meaning right now, when I'm thinking Sophia Richie, I'm thinking she has a role at Nude Sticks but I'm primarily thinking Chanel and I'm thinking Joe Malone in this current moment. And I think that's working great for her. So if she decides that next up, she's going to be doing a shoe partnership with Jimmy Choo, while Jimmy Choo and Joe Malone have absolutely nothing to do with one another, I think that if I am someone that is consuming Sophia Richie's content, there's a higher likelihood that I'm going to be drawn to the Jimmy Choo shoes when I'm at Saks next time. If there has been a decent amount of time in between that and her spraying the sea salt Joe Malone perfume. You know what I mean? Because what I think happens is you run the risk of pulling what I, maybe this is just a me thing with the Sydney Sweeney thing of like, I'm a very big fan of hers, very big. And I think she's excellent. But the branded stuff just felt like it was Tory Burch yesterday. It's Laneige tomorrow. It's Miu Miu the next day. It's all happening so fast that like, 
I am your best target. I am someone that will buy right in. You sell it to me enough. I see a TikTok ad enough times. I'm clicking it. You know what I mean? Like that is obviously you fucking know, but I, I noticed that there is a pattern of like needing time to connect to the sponsorship before automatically trying to be sold the next thing. And I think if you have the luxury of being able to do that from a financial perspective and the people that we're talking about here do lean into that a little bit more, which listen, of course, the flip side is that if it's all being presented to you at the moment, you want to take it because you never know how long the it girl status is going to last. So of course you want to take everything coming your way. But if you're Sophia Richie, you have your own money. You're also married to somebody with a lot of money. And that is not a concern. I think taking her time with really wanting to be so selective in her partnerships will only be beneficial. Totally. Like a hundred thousand percent, I agree. And it goes into the idea of a lack of oversaturation, which as we know, is kind of the kiss of death. Once you get too big, you are everywhere and then everybody's annoyed with you. And then they get annoyed that they're annoyed with you. And then they want to tear you down. It's the same cycle that we keep seeing over and over again, that we somehow, I don't think it's the celebrity that we never learned from. It's that we, as people don't learn from it. Like, I don't know how to stop it, but it is something that we have seen time and time again. But in regards to the Sophia Richie thing, what I mean more so is less about the brands that she's working with and less about what, you know, that association is and more so how does she maintain her personal relevancy so that when she does do one of these brand deals, we are equally as likely to buy into it because we are still buying into the it girl thing. We have now connected with her on a very, very specific level, but it's that connection that you have to then maintain in order for the public to look at your stuff and want to do that. You know, Sophia Richie is going to want to start to come out with her own lines, her own things that involves the public being as into her then as they were six months ago, as they were when they were following her honeymoon, as they were when Elliot was doing voiceovers of her get ready with me. And the question is, is how do you do that? And I think that's the, the, that's the thing that every celebrity is still trying to figure out. But I, I do think it's interesting because I actually feel like we are moving, or not we, celebrities are moving a little bit away from the how and leaning into the fact of like, well, if they'll, if they want it, they'll get it. And if they don't, then I'm not going to try that hard. I can't lay out for you exactly how Sophia Richie maintains the it girl status. However, I can say in my personal opinion, what she has done from a content perspective, post-wedding, post-honeymoon is exactly the track she needs to stay on. Meaning you felt such an intimacy when she was getting married in the South of France. You felt such an intimacy when she was getting ready for her candlelit dinner and her honeymoon. I feel that same intimacy when she is showing you the outfit that she's wearing to dinner with Elliot in her closet. And then after that, after you watched her get ready in her closet and you quote, helped her pick her outfit, she's then showing a little bit of content in the backyard of the house that you know she just bought with Elliot and Brenwood or wherever it is based on all of the articles about it. So we know for a fact that's her home. No one's expecting that she's going to give you a full-blown home tour, nor is that what she's trying to do at this current moment unless she's doing, let's say, Architectural Digest. But she's giving enough where it feels, at least I feel as though it's still carrying over the intimacy from the wedding and the same thing that she knows is working for her, which is people really being drawn to her fashion and the way that she carries herself, pulling back the curtain behind that a little bit. And, you know, how sustainable it is, I can't tell you, but I do think that post-wedding, at least in this current moment, she's doing it pretty well. But by the way, Arc Digest is the perfect answer to that question. Is it long-term? Is it a thing that is going to hold her over until months and months later? No, but 
we followed her on this journey. Yes, a natural next step would be giving us a full arc digest. Let us in on your taste. Let us marvel at something else until the next thing comes along. But that's that's what it is. Like, oh, there's so many different camps of celebrity now. It's like we're always looking for the next thing. And there are some celebrities that are willing to give it to us. And there are some celebrities that are willing to bet the house that their relevancy will maintain even if they don't give it to us. But there's just so that's the thing, is there's so many different ways to do that. And that's like the span of the spectrum that we have spoken about in this whole conversation about what to do. It's mess. It's having fun. It's letting us in on their personal lives. It's selling us a lifestyle. There's so many different avenues to take. The issue is that from a podcast perspective, from, from what we're talking about, would we love a Sophia Richie tour? Of course we love an Arc Digest tour. We're never going to say no to it. But it's the type of thing where we would come on and say, oh, there's no really news stories this week. Like, I guess the Sophia, you know, Arc Digest tour, we can talk about a little bit, but like, there's not that much there. So what we're looking for as podcasters, what we're looking for as consumers of pop culture who just love it, what we're looking for as people who love a little bit of mess and love drama and love a brunch conversation and love a scandal and love Twitter camaraderie and what celebrities are looking for to maintain their relevancy can all be the same thing. And they can all be very, 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 very different things. Apartments.com believes the dishwasher does more than just clean plates. It turns your whole place into a time machine by turning the time you would have spent washing dishes into extra time for you. That could mean more time to read, more time to knit, or more time to contemplate the vastness of time itself. With Apartments.com, finding somewhere to live with an elusive dishwashing slash time-expanding device is easy. And listen, we all have our non-negotiables in terms of what we really want when looking for an apartment. I know for me, natural light has always been really important. I just know myself and I am a happier person when I have that natural light throughout the day. And I also told myself that in my next place, I will definitely have a washer and dryer because you just can't beat that convenience. And I know it can be hard to find, but when you find it, I think it is so worth it. Apartments.com hosts the most rental listings with over 1 million available units. And with comprehensive search tools and instant alerts, you never have to worry about missing out on the perfect place. To find whatever you're searching for and more, visit apartments.com, the place to find a place. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit, Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. There are so many different things that we are talking about here. Obviously, we did not intend to have this conversation even remotely, but if we really one day wanted to segment it out and talk about each one not bouncing all over the place, there are many examples to give and many deep dives to be had within those individual categories. I'll tell you right now, want to know something that would solve a lot of the problems all in one? Kylie doing a get ready with me in her closet with a little surprise appearance from Stormy and then taking us to Giorgio Baldi where she's photographed by paparazzi holding hands with Timothy. Because right there, we check every single box. 
Think about the way we were, and I know we always go back to this, but it's one of the most recent huge celebrity stories, even though it's done with. But Kim and Pete was something that I, I, I don't think it's just for us. Like, I think that as pop culture lovers or even people who consume it on any level, like, that was a fucking rush. Like, that was something that we are constantly chasing the high of. Kylie has the opportunity to do that with Timmy here. The way that we reacted to seeing those photos of them just hanging out together, imagine what it's going to be like when we get them leaving Giorgio Baldi or we get them making out in the street. Like, if that's the direction this relationship is going in, like, we have the opportunity to have a huge wave of pop culture excitement that we haven't felt since Kim did it. And that's the whole thing too, right? Is like a lot of the times when we're throwing out these names of like the craziest celeb stories that we've experienced, so much of it is Kardashian related. It's impossible to ignore. And so when you have a news cycle where they're not doing that, it really intensifies the fact that like, no, you know what I mean? Like that's what intensifies that feeling of, wow, there are no stories. Because typically we would come on here and there would always be something Kardashian related to talk about. Like there would always be a big thing. And I think people have noticed that they've been a little bit more quiet. And I think that it's so interesting to watch whether or not the show can sustain them on their own and they don't necessarily need their private life to be as big, whether their private life can be very big and they don't necessarily need the show or if to really maintain that power that they've held for so long, they need both to be working completely in tandem. Stoss and Drake win. Oh, M, don't. Yep. Yep. My fucking Super Bowl. Just to go back to the Kardashian thing for a second, I was really thinking about this last week, specifically after our episode recap, where we spent a lot of the time talking about Chloe and it did get, you know, kind of deep there. Obviously, in this current moment, I'm not saying Chloe's not dating, but I would have to guess that that is not a focus at the moment. Like, from what she has expressed, it just seems that that's not really where her head is at, nor do I expect it to be. But, like, a year down the line, two years down the line, maybe even less, when Chloe is really back in that phase, which we have not seen her in in so long of actively dating and being willing to be seen out on a date, which to me feels so far down the line, even though I hope that it's not, like that's a rush we're forgetting about. That's like, you know, the French Montana days. That's the James Harden days. Like we are forgetting what it's like to see Chloe just casually dating without all of this trauma attached to it without feeling so overly protective of her because, you know, we know the person that she's with is someone that's hurt her so badly in the past. Listen, we're always going to feel protective of her to an extent, but like, how fun would it be for Chloe to just have a fling that was known from the public's perspective as like really just a fling? It would be the most amount of fun. And it's something that I'm looking forward to because I know it will happen. And that's kind of the beauty of celebrity news. Like I know we kind of just went on a whole episode about what we're looking for and what we haven't had in a while and what we feel is lacking. But the beauty of celebrity culture and the beauty of pop culture and the beauty of what we do in talking about it is like, we could come on here and have six dry weeks, for example. And we're sitting here struggling to come up with something and, and we're so annoyed by the lack of stories, but then all it takes is one. And there's always going to be that one. And whether it's sustainable for months and months like Scandival was, or if it's just a two-week thing where we really deep dive and analyze it, no matter what it is, something will always come up. We will always have celebrity drama. We will always have the next big thing. And so 
that idea of forgetting and then remembering is kind of what keeps it exciting where when the next big thing comes along, it's like it's the first time it's ever happened. It's like we've never had a scandal like this. It's like we've never had pop culture. We've never cared about a couple like this. Like I, I look forward to that remembering what it's like or I look forward to forgetting the next time around. Yes, no, me too. I mean, listen, I would say one thing about us when it comes to all this stuff is we really are not jaded. Like we are so excited every time something big like that happens because we're so excited as fans because that's what we are to our core. Like we are just pop culture enthusiasts and mega fans that just so happen to do this for a living. It's not the reverse. So yeah, I like very much look forward to that day and know that it's going to be there and know that it's coming. I'm not saying it's dead. It's just this actually, strangely, I know this is like so not what we were expecting because we really honestly went on here tonight. We're like, let's just try. I don't really think their stories. We're probably going to have to release the episode later in the week when more things break. But this was strangely cathartic. Well, I think what it is, I feel that way too. Like I I feel like a, a deep breath because A, I've been meaning or wanting to talk about this concept for so long. But also I think with you and I, when we come on and there aren't a lot of stories, we feel this like deep guilt about it. Or we feel like, I don't know. Like I remember last week we were starting the episode and we're like, not a lot of stories today. I'm like, I hate starting that way, but it's not our fault that we start that way. Like it's, it's, it is just what it is. And so I think the ability to like have this really open conversation about what people are expecting when they come to our podcast to listen or what we're expecting to be able to talk about is like so comforting for what we've been dealing with celeb story-wise and that feeling of coming on, like, what the fuck are we going to talk about this week? Well, right. And I also think specifically with me and you, the reason that it feels even scarier than normal is because like all we do all day, every day is just talk. And if we wanted to just shoot the shit, we could do that for three hours. No problem. We are just so overly conscious of like making sure it is so celebrity focused because we've made it such a thing. Like people aren't coming here for us. You know what I mean? And we're just aware of that. And that's, we want it like that. Like, so even, yeah, of course we're going to go on tangents. Of course things are going to come up, but really making sure the core of it is falling under the general pop culture umbrella. And I think that we get a little bit intimidated when it feels like that core is slipping because we can talk about anything. We can tangent on anything. It's just, we, I think that we feel that we want to maintain that like expectation, you know, whereas if it was a podcast of us just talking, fucking forget about it. That is literally all we do all day, every day. A few days ago, we literally walked 40,000 steps we finally get back to my apartment. She gets in the elevator. I'm like, what does this bitch have to say? We love each other for, we've been together for the last 10 hours, but somehow there's just always more to say. I, I always have something to say, but I, I will say that what you just said leads into a, a good question of like, if there is a week where there isn't a lot of celebrity stories, like what do other people want to hear us talk about? Like, we're not going to come on here and talk about our personal lives, obviously, but like what so, like celebrity focused or pop culture things that are maybe a little bit more evergreen or like games that we could play or things that we can do. Like, do other people want to hear us talk about? So it's not like this feeling of like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And more so like, we have a week where there's not a lot of celebrity news stories. Like people have these things, like we want you to cover this event. We, we don't know that much about this. Like we would love to hear about this, this topic that wouldn't necessarily be brought up because it's not necessarily the story of the week or the biggest pop culture thing. And it's a little bit more niche. Like I would love to hear what people would want to hear about. Yes, please DM us that. Maybe we can put a question box on our story. But if not, if you just have anything where you're like, you know, I would love that pop culture thing covered a little bit more or really dive deep on this. We're down to do it. I mean, you know, that the outlines are never the question. We are down to have notes and go as deep as anybody wants. I just think that 
people haven't expressed that overwhelmingly. And so I'm really curious to hear what people would say. Please, please give us your, your responses to that. I think that's a great, a great prompt. Wow. That was the what last thing I was expecting. Now I was one, I'm just telling you right now, Julie, I was a hundred percent sure when we came on, I voice noted Rachel. I was like, Julie and I are coming on to do a test. I'll either voice note you in five minutes or an hour, but it's definitely going to be five minutes. And it was an hour. I'm, I'm as shocked, if not more shocked than you are, but I'm so happy. I think until we listen back, but I think I'm very happy with the way this episode went. Yes, <laughs> that may change in 10 minutes, but okay. We love you guys again. I mean, God forbid this is someone's first time. Let's just, I can't even have that in my mind. My, my mind can't go there. We're just assuming if you're listening to this, you've been here for a while, but we will be back later this week for Bravo. And then of course for Kardashians, that will be a far more typical episode. This was just a little bit of a shit show that ended up being very therapeutic. So we love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And Thanks for being here, even when it doesn't feel that things are overwhelmingly exciting in the pop culture world.